Welcome to a podcast by Gritmakers in the Arts, a national association of public and private arts and culture funders. I'm Sherilyn Seeley, GIA's program manager. Gritmakers in the Arts is committed to addressing structural inequities and increasing philanthropic and government support for the artists and arts organizations whose funders, leadership, or shared work are African, Latinx, Asian, Arab, and or Native American also known as Alana. In 2017, the New York Community Trust and the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation co-commissioned a report from Yancey Consulting to understand the health and viability of Alana Arts Groups in New York City. This collaboration between the New York Community Trust and the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation eventually led to the creation of the Mosaic Network and Fund. This learning network and collaborative fund exists to support arts and cultural organizations that are led by, created for, and accountable to Alana people. On today's podcast, we are glad to hear from Dr. Andira Etuaru, Executive Director of Restoration Art and the Billy Holiday Theater, as well as Vice President of the Bedford-Stuyvesant Restoration Corporation. Kerry McCarthy, Vice President for Philanthropic Initiatives at the New York Community Trust, and our very own Eddie Torres, President and CEO of Grantmakers in the Arts. Eddie, can you tell our listeners a bit more about our speakers and what we are going to discuss today? Thanks, Sherilyn. In February 2019, Mosaic Network and Fund co-chairs, Carrie McCarthy of the New York Community Trust and Maureen Knighton of Doris Duke Charitable Foundation, announced the launch of the fund to the grant-making community. By March, Dr. Indira Atuaro and other network and fund advisory committee members kicked off the network programming with the first learning exchange convening. This is a learning community of arts funders and practitioners who are dedicated to helping Alana arts organizations thrive. To date, this network and fund has involved around 160 people, representing more than 80 Alana Arts nonprofits and 22 philanthropic organizations. There are 18 donors to the fund, and its advisory committee is represented by half Alana Arts organizations and half funders. Now, this work started in 2017, and it took a lot of careful planning and strategizing to get to this point. So let's backtrack a bit for our listeners and discuss the evolution of the Mosaic Network and Fund. Kerry, how did the Mosaic Network and Fund come to be? Sure. Thank you so much, Eddie, for including us in this talk. I just want to backtrack for those who may not know, the New York Community Trust is a community foundation that's serving the eight county downstate region in New York, and we're always working to connect past, present, and future generous New Yorkers with the vital nonprofits who are working to make a healthy, thriving, and more equitable community. And in keeping with that goal, as we move forward with our arts program, we always have equity in the forefront. With the equity work we were doing that came to be called Mosaic, it started after a bunch of research was commissioned and released, and Maureen Knighton and I convened our colleagues at other arts philanthropies in New York to ask the question, what can we do about the current rate of disbursement of funds throughout the sector? And our colleagues said, 
let's do some more research and see if what we're seeing in the national trends is actually reflective of what's happening on the ground in New York City. So we agreed to do that, and our two foundations commissioned Yancey Consulting to create what came to be known as the Thriveability Report. That report took a look at arts organizations that are led by, for, and accountable to Alana people and um, found that some of the trends were the same, found that Alana arts organizations have been in existence for a long time, such as the Billy Holiday Theater, and are strong, vibrant, and need more money and, and want to be seen and recognized by philanthropy. So we took those results back to our colleagues in philanthropy, and uh, they said, okay, well, we should step in and do something concrete about this. Let's pool our funds and make a difference. And so that is actually uh, how Mosaic got its start. Um, as we evolved over time, we set up four main goals for Mosaic's work. The first was to create a learning community that would be made up equally of funders and practitioners who are dedicated to helping Alana Arts organizations thrive. And it was in the articulation of this goal, thanks to our committee members like Dr. Edwaru, we realized that we were going to be more than just a typical funder collaborative, that we were actually going to create a network. And so we changed our name to become the Mosaic Network and Fund. Our second goal was to provide flexible and strategic support that would strengthen the organizational capacity of Alana Arts Groups in the city. We wanted to advocate for more equitable policies and practices for Alana cultural workers and shift the narrative around Alana Arts Groups and racial equity in the arts. And then finally, and most importantly, we wanted to be able to take steps to increase overall philanthropic support for city-based Alana Arts Groups by facilitating funder commitments to new grantees. Thank you for that, Carrie. Now, I wanted to ask for, for both Carrie and Indira, um, I'd like you to talk a bit about how you went about developing the advisory committee, as well as how you went about selecting organizations to invite to the learning exchanges. I'm gonna take a stab at that first. Um, so we, we realized that we wanted to include both practitioners and funders on the advisory committee and to guide our work. We wanted to, to operate a little bit differently than just have donors directing all of the funder collaborative's purposes. And so we decided that we, we would create an advisory committee that was reflective of the diversity of cultures in our city, the diversity of artistic disciplines, and, um, and also have geographic diversity. And so there were um, a couple of names that rose to the top and Indira is certainly one of those. In terms of how do we identify groups to invite to the learning exchanges, when Lisa Yancey began doing the research for the Thriveability Report, she wanted to issue surveys and do focus groups of Alana practitioners. And so we actually began building our own database. There's not a magic list somewhere of Alana arts groups. So we, we began looking at our own grantee portfolio. We looked at the Doris Duke portfolio and began to build that list out, looking at you know the state's list and, and other things, and shared that with Yancey, and then we just kept adding names to the list as new ones would come on our radar. And basically, we created a list of 255 Alana arts organizations, and that's who we invited to the Learning Exchange. And Indira, let me ask, is there anything you'd like to add to any of that? 
I would. I, I do want to echo Carrie's thanks, Edwin. We're, we're really quite thrilled to talk about this experience, um, and I'm thrilled to, to share the space with Carrie. You know, I, I remember early on in our dialogues during the uh, committee meetings, we began to have conversations about what those learning exchanges would look like, how we would shape them. And to the credit of everyone in the room, there was a real desire for authenticity. There was a real desire to move beyond just safe spaces for um, arts leaders, Alana arts leaders, to have difficult dialogues with dignity, but rather the word brave space began to emerge in our own conversations. The idea of radical spaces and radical ideas began to emerge. And so ensuring that the learning exchanges would be comprehensive enough and that the structure would be broad enough to embrace what are 254 Alana institutions and leadership um, was the challenge we had to tackle. How could we have the intimate conversations that were so critical to moving this forward and creating a network that would move us beyond just talk and could in fact be actionable around the four goals that Carrie describes. And so, you know, TAG, the, the group of people in the room were it. And we um, really spent time digging down and ensuring that what we were building had not only not been built before, but also authentically represented the brave and radical space to move us to a place that we hadn't necessarily been as a funding community paired off with um, arts institutions. So um, I will say that that's when, if you were in that room, you began to understand that something very special was about to happen. Fantastic. Thank you for that. And so let me ask both of you, Carrie and Indira, as regards the learning exchanges, what have you learned from them? Both what have you learned from planning the learning exchanges and what have you learned from being in the room with the participants in the learning exchanges? Um, I would say that it felt very much like we were exercising what if you're an ethnographer painting the portrait of a people that you're always navigating what is the emic edict perspective, which is both insider and outsider perspective. So you could sense that the funders were stepping into the shoes of Alana arts leaders in very unique and new ways. You also felt that the Alana arts leaders were starting to uh, see this world of arts and culture from the philanthropic perspective in a way that, again, was very unique. That had to do a lot with, I don't want to say both sides, but both the Alana arts leaders and the, the funders being able to provide what was simply vulnerability in the room to be able to take down whatever professional mask had historically existed and to be able to to share personal narratives to be able to share institutional narratives and narrative and storytelling did become a methodology and tool that became very effective for us to be able to cross what has been an historical divide and carrie would you like to add to that 
just that Indira continues to show how brilliant she is. And I'm just always so in awe of her. And the things that she said that really resonate with me were around the vulnerability. And people were asked to go through an exercise of deep listening. And we could have chosen in our small groups to tell stories of small losses in our our day-to-day office, but people chose actually to get very real very quickly and become very vulnerable. And that created a sense of trust that carried us through the arc of the learning exchanges that was very powerful. And I hope we will have ripple effects from that for the years to come. I think in terms of actually operationalizing the learning exchanges, the things that worked particularly well were when we brought in outside speakers, like we had Sarah Bellamy from the Penumbra Theater come in from the Twin Cities Theater of Color Coalition, TikTok, and provided an example of how funders and arts leaders are working together to address funding inequity in the Twin Cities. Our learning exchange participants were really inspired by and deeply interested in understanding what was happening in other locales. So that was particularly great. I think the more that we can create connections between the work that's happening in New York, in the Twin Cities, with Chicago, the better off we'll all be as we continue to learn and grow from each other. And that's where Grantmakers in the Art plays such a tremendous role as a, being the connective tissue for the field and bringing us all together and sharing best cases so that we can we can learn from each other and try not to make the same mistakes over and over and uh, believe me with mosaic we have <laughs> we've made a few mistakes as we expected to do but we are committed to learning from those mistakes sharing what we're learning and and trying to help others uh, from what we've discovered one of the key things that we uncovered is that the work takes so much more time than you imagine you can write as a foundation program officer, this is our job and we can knock out an RFP pretty quickly. It's very easy to figure out how you might want to run a grant program. But if you want to engage people, especially the people that you're trying to serve in that process, if you want to go through deep listening exercises and really reflect on what philanthropic practice is and try to change some of the systems, whether that system is internal to your foundation or reflective of the particular geography you're in, that requires a lot of time, a lot of listening, um, hearing criticism, uh, being able to process that criticism in a uh, sort of emotionally neutral way and try to take concrete steps to make a change in the process. And that simply just takes a lot of time. And I want to add, Edwin, to what Carrie just said is <clears throat> there within the structure of the theory of the mosaic fund a network, um, we began in a very theoretical place um, based on, on data that comes out of real life experience. And as, as, as two people representing, uh, having this conversation with you, representing so many others, um, it really was a practice in moving beyond the, these phrases that have become so normalized within our field, the phrases of diversity, um, 
you know, acknowledging difference and inclusion, including difference. And th these exchanges and particularly the, the, com the committee work that we did was really about belonging, which is not only bringing people to the table, but it was about hearing difference and embracing and empowering difference. And that in many ways modeled where we still have to go as a field. And um, I think it was what we were able, I believe most profoundly in that part of the work that um, to sit across the table month after month from funders um, and other Alana arts leaders and be able to affirm time and time again that there are other people who are committed to the dismantling of these, you know, centuries old historical structures in a way, um, to quote Audre Lorde, where all people can flourish. Uh, it was real trench work, but it was ultimately very inspiring. Um, I would leave there feeling quite inspired, and I, it would only be fair for me to say that I entered the process with a healthy dose of skepticism, hopeful that something new might happen, but also bracing myself that, you know, are we going to just talk about equity? Or are we going to do equity? And that sense of belonging, where the funders, I hope, felt heard. And also, I can speak as an Alana arts leader that I not only felt heard, but I felt like my voice was being celebrated. And there's something very powerful about Alana leaders coming into a room because we come from audiences, we come from communities where our entire ethos is based on the we. So when we go into a room and when we sit at a table, we bring our entire communities along with us. And to be able to have our communities heard and to have our voices heard is a, is a very powerful and profound moment in this work. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> Let me that was amazing. <laughs> it's so true, Carrie. It's so true. The best rooms I have sat in in the last 10 years of my career, which has been in philanthropy, have actually been those rooms where we had the meetings of our advisory committee for the learning exchanges, because the level of connection and listening and learning was so deep and the conversations went so far and, and and fairly quickly actually and we had hoped when we created the learning exchanges for the broader set of participants that we would get just a dose of that magic in the room and um, I think we got I think we got a little bit of that there there's obviously more work for us to do um, but it has really been such a privilege to be part of this project and to be able to work with the amazing um, arts leaders on that committee. You know, so many of our stakeholders are going to be listening to this and asking themselves, well, how could I possibly do that? Or how could I do that? And 
intentionally design it for those kinds of transformative moments and processes. What is the top couple of points, the top couple of pieces of advice that you would give to others who are considering how to do this kind of work themselves? I would offer several tools that the funders use when going into the room. The framing of this brave and radical space, you often heard the funders say, we've heard ourselves have these conversations over and over. We really want to hear from you. We want to create the space. Um, we want all of us to create the space where your voice is central, where, where you, in fact, are leading how we go about this. We are here to learn from you. So the learning exchange was a macrocosm of the microcosm and the framing of that microcosm that happened in the room. Um, and while that may seem like an insignificant um, tool, it is everything. Because you have to imagine this, um, Edwin. Imagine you're invited to join four other Alana leaders to sit in the room with funders who potentially have something to do with your institution's sustainability, right? So it's, an, it's a double-edged sword that can cut both ways. And um, I'm sort of smiling as I say that, but you have to pass the hurdle of being brave enough to be transparent. You have to pass the hurdle of saying difficult things because you don't want to just be an Alana face at the table. You want to be an Alana voice at the table and speak on behalf of communities that have been historically disenfranchised and disinvested in. And it means saying things that potentially are difficult for funders to hear. On the other hand, there were times when my heart was bursting and I felt so inspired and so affirmed and I wanted to say something positive, but I had to even pass the hurdle of my positive feedback not being perceived as flattery. Like, oh, I don't want the funders to think I'm just flattering them because I want them to fund our institution. You're even, you know, working through those obstacles and hurdles. Um, so it really is, it was an extraordinary moment that we shared as five Alana leaders that we were able to then open up to the larger community of Alana groups. And I think we all sort of navigated and negotiated that uh, challenge. Yeah, I think when you do this work, it's important to try to share power in the process. Um, but as a funder, it's really important to understand that even when you are trying to seed the space and power in that moment, your voice still carries all of this extra weight uh, with the arts leaders for the, all the reasons that uh, Indira just articulated. And so it's really important to not underestimate how much power you are perceived as having, even though you as a funder may just think of yourself as middle management, you know, with not that much power at all. So that's something to keep in mind. The other thing I wanted to point out is that ultimately this work is about trying to make different choices. Looking at our portfolios 
and asking the questions about are we really directing the resources that we have to where the greatest need is. And at the end of the day, it's not that hard to do. It's just about making a different choice. Everyone is on a journey, and we're trying to create a place where people can come along on that journey and we can all learn together. Fantastic. And let me ask you, what can we expect in the future of this work? So for Mosaic, we're actually in the process of putting the final touches on a request for proposals, and we will be uh, launching that very shortly. We will make a suite of grants to the arts organizations in the city. We're hoping that we'll be able to identify 30 agencies with operating budgets that uh, range from 20000 up to $3 million. And those grants we hope to make uh, by the end of this calendar year. Once we have our grantees, we will be convening them so that they can learn from each other. We'll be providing enhancement support so that they can um, get additional peer coaching and mentorship that they, they might want, either from a consultant or from each other. But we are very concerned that we don't focus solely on the grantees. If 30 groups out of 250 plus in the city is substantial, but I mean, it's a reasonable percentage, but it's, it's not changing the entire ecosystem necessarily. So we want to hold space to continue bringing people together around these key issues, bringing philanthropy and um, the city's Alana Arts community together so we can have more robust discussions about aesthetics and cultural criticism and all of the issues that we're seeing bubble up. We want to create, provide a forum for that to happen. And we, will, we have committed to doing that on a regular basis and trying to find ways to um, network the entire community, whether it's through social media or online forums in addition to these in-person exchanges. Fantastic. Well, this is really a remarkable story. I mean, this is an example of you know, what they call adaptive change. You recognize as you go through that process that you yourself also have to change um, and your processes need to change and your policies need to change. But before that happens, you have to undergo a change, which is a far more scary prospect. You know, this is change at scale. It's a collaborative structural intervention. You know, you yourself have explained it took far more time than you predicted. And as uh, Grantmakers and the Arts Deputy Director Nadia Alokta likes to quote, change happens at the speed of trust and trust happens over the course of time. So, you know, you've chosen a path that is specifically very, very time intensive, very, very labor intensive. But to hear you describe these experiences as so exciting and so energizing, it's really inspiring. And I'm really, really grateful that you're doing it. And I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to share this with us and to share this with our cultural community across the nation and our cultural grant-making community across the nation. So I want to say, Indira, Carrie, thank you very much for this. Thank you, Edwin. Thank you. Sherilyn? Thank you, Eddie. And thank you, Indira, Carrie, and Eddie for that interesting conversation. Be sure to visit our website for more information on the Mosaic Network and Fund. If you have any questions about this podcast or upcoming programming, 
feel free to reach out to me, Sherilyn Seeley, at sherilyn at giarts.org or visit our website, giarts.org. Be sure to tune in to part two of this Mosaic Fund and Network series, where we host a live webinar update and discuss milestones and lessons learned along the way. Tune in this December for more information. Also be sure to follow Gritmakers in the Arts on Twitter and Facebook at GI Arts. And you can now follow us on our new Instagram at Gretmakers in the Arts for exciting new updates. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>